So let's jump right in. Colossians chapter 2 this morning. I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may have the full riches and complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. And see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. You have probably heard before that uh, old real estate adage, right? What is the most important thing in real estate? It is location, 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 right? And here, Paul tells us, no surprise, what is the most important thing to having a life in Christ? It's, it's location. It's just that. Being in Christ. Coming to Christ and living at... So let's go ahead and put up that first slide about dynamic Christian living. It goes like this. Dynamic Christian living is located in Christ. That's the beginning. That's the end of it. In verse 5, he says that my trust is in Christ. And he's not just talking about that moment where I first decided to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior or the day of my baptism. He's talking about that ambient level of confidence, of security that I have in knowing who I am and knowing whose I am. My trust is in Christ. That's where my confidence comes from. So you can write that down. My trust is in Christ. And he talks about that, how firm your faith is in Christ. It's, it's, it's located there. It's not in yourself. It's not in money. It's, not, it's located in Christ. And then beyond the way I kind of feel about myself, that security I have in a very practical sense, my daily life is in Christ. My 24-7 is in Christ. So my daily life is in Christ. He says, continue to live in Him. Again, not a one-time decision. This is a lifestyle. Continue to live in Him. Like for me, um, I don't, some of us are married, some of us are single. Uh, I'm married, and for me, when I wake up every morning, when my head comes off the pillow and my feet hit the ground, uh, part of enjoying a dynamic Christian life, part of being fully in Christ, has to do with my marriage, Right? Um, Jesus is more than part of our marriage. Jesus surrounds our marriage. Uh, we are in Christ. So the way I treat her, the way I talk to her, uh, the way I talk about her to others, 
the way I listen to her, all of that is shaped by the presence of Christ, which is a daily reality for us. Uh, and it goes for all my relationships. It goes for our relationships, my relationship with my children, my relationships with my coworkers, my relationships with my neighbors. Um, when I engage people, I'm doing it from my location in Christ. Their location may or may not be in Christ, but I am in Christ. Paul says, live in that, live in that. Um, now, most folks, I don't think I'd get much of an argument on this. Most folks are in themselves, right? That is the center of their, of, their, of their orbit. That is what matters most. They are in themselves. And Paul says, instead of getting wrapped up in that, the dynamic Christian life means getting out of that smallness getting out of that bondage and breaking free to abundance, which is only available to me when I am in Christ. Okay? Also, being located in Christ, he talks a lot about this, about people trying to deceive you, about empty ideas and theories and stuff like that. Part of being in Christ means he's also the foundation for wisdom and knowledge in my life. Now, Paul was a man uh, worldly in some respects. He could quote uh, pagan poets. He was familiar with the philosophies of the day. So it's not like he wasn't uh, a knowledgeable person in things outside, like secular things, scientific things. But he based it in the foundation of the truth with a capital T. Truth is not a thing. It's not an idea. I am the truth, Jesus said. Truth is a person. Truth is Jesus Christ. He is the foundation of that. So write this down. He's the foundation for knowledge and wisdom. And so Paul tells him in verse 8, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies that come from human thinking rather than from Christ. You've probably had this experience before if you've been driving for, for very long or something like it, but I mean, it was just a few weeks ago, I'm driving east of Dallas, I'm on I-20, and I could feel, like if I were to turn loose of the steering wheel, um, I could feel the car, right, trying to pull to the right side. Sometimes it pulls to the right, sometimes it pulls to the left, and I could feel it was just a slight pull, nothing really broken with the car, everything was working well, but I just felt that what? My, my car was out of alignment. Uh, good thing, uh, just a trip to discount tire, and that got fixed. I was brought back into alignment. But I want to ask you something. Do you ever feel like you are being just ever so gently pulled out of alignment, drawn out of Christ or moving that direction. Maybe it's things going on in your mind. Maybe it's something with, with just your emotions playing with you. Um, do you ever feel like there is something or someone pulling you away from Christ? Our alignment is in Christ, and it happens. I mean, that's why Paul addresses it, right? He wouldn't address it if it wasn't a thing. So in verse 8, he talks about those things that pull us out. I read a while back... Um, I, I'd, I'd never seen this before. I read back in the 1980s, you guys have heard of the company Colgate. What does Colgate make? Well, back in the early 80s, they decided to start making frozen dinners. True, you can Google that later, right? And for some reason, it didn't work. 
I would say that's a company that got out of alignment, that lost who they were. Turns out no one was interested in minty fresh meatloaf or tartar control mashed potatoes, you know. They lost their way, and thankfully, they got back to who they are. Well, being in Christ, that is the key identifying mark for believers today, tomorrow, always. And so he says this back to verse 8 again. He says, so watch out. Eyes wide open here. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. So if your life is, if you feel that pull, if you're drifting off center, what is causing that and what are you going to do about it? Um, It could be hollow philosophies. And and you may think, I don't know much about philosophy. No, we're talking about ideas here. It could be some ideas, uh, some cultural values that you have bought into that you've sort of made an agreement with and those are pulling you off center. Then it could be, Paul talks about human tradition. And for some people, it's religious tradition. I was always brought up to believe this. And I think it's in the Bible somewhere, right? And human tradition, what happens is these things can, can begin to crowd Jesus out of the center, even good things. And Paul just wants to remind us, don't Let that happen. Be aware of that and keep your eyes on Christ. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Worries, obviously, can be something that pulls us off. And worries are like, a lot of times, legitimate, like actual things. No, I really have bills to pay. I really lost my job. This really happened or whatever. But worries can pull us, if we're not careful, away from Christ. Temptations can obviously pull us away from Christ. The reality is, we're talking about reality in this series in Colossians. The reality is, there is an enemy that is out to destroy you. He knows your weaknesses. He is targeting those, and he is trying to pull you away from the life Jesus has for you. Uh, Greed, jealousy, lust, selfishness, gossip, idolatry, which just means looking for fulfillment in anything other than, than God. Those things are at work, those temptations. But listen, This is where I want to spend just a little bit of time because this is the oldest and I'm certain the most powerful of all of the things that tried to pull us out of alignment. It is so old, it is the first sin, right? Satan comes to Adam and Eve in the garden and he says, why don't you guys try your hand at being God? Why don't you try to make yourselves the center of all things? You know you want to. And so that really is their story, and it's our story as well. And it's good to be aware of it. It's the idea, I'm the center of the universe. And Adam and Eve bought into that. They drifted away from God. Um, Making my needs, making my fears, making my wants, making my hopes, making my plans the number one thing, making the story about me, that is the oldest and perhaps strongest thing that can pull us off center. It gets us out of alignment with God, the one who made us, the one who loves us, the one who sent his son to redeem us. And, of course, it gets us off off course or out of alignment because, guess what? It's not true. 
I mean, we could do a whole thing, I won't, but you're not the center of the universe. I'm not the center of the universe. In fact, the Bible tells us this in the first words of Scripture. In the beginning, God. Not in the beginning, Gordon. Not in the beginning, John Scott or Barbara. In the beginning, God. The story, here we go, the main player, the star, the center of everything. In fact, the one who's going to make everything is God. He is at the center Augustine, I think, captured this truth so many centuries ago. Fourth century, fifth century, he wrote these words. He said, St. Augustine, You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find themselves, location, 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 in you. In you. I think that's true. We were made for God. We were made to experience life in the Lord. And I think the challenge here in Colossae, and perhaps the challenge for us today, is a little bit different, but the challenge for them, I believe, was probably Gnosticism. I think there was some angel worship thrown in too, but Gnosticism basically was a version of this. You're at the center. Gnosticism told people, look, if you learn the secrets, if you possess the correct knowledge, then you get to pull the levers. You get to control everything, right? I think our, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because I think our challenge is, 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 again, to make ourselves the reference point, to make ourselves the center of the story. In fact, Gabe Lyons and Kinneman uh, uh, did a study a while back, and they found that 91% of Americans affirm this statement. Here goes. To find yourself, look within yourself. And we are probably so enculturated that actually sounds kind of, ooh, that's kind of good. I like that. To find yourself, look within yourself. Scripture says, uh-uh. You're not going to find yourself by looking inside this narrow, selfish hole of flesh that you live in. You find yourself in Christ. And I'd like for us just to go back. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Just the simple smartphone that we carry around. What does that reveal about ourselves and what we are looking for? Is it, is it not an echo of Genesis chapter 3 in 2018? I mean, I think it is because this is not an anti-smartphone sermon, by the way. I love my smartphone as long as it is doing what it's supposed to do and not becoming the center of my life. But, but I do, however, think that our smartphones can reveal the power of this deceptive philosophy we buy into that tells us we are at the center of the story. Your phone tells you that every day, that you are at the center of your story. You've got your settings and you've got your apps all tailored to you. You don't tailor them to somebody else. You tailor it to you, you will get the news that you want. I mean, the news that comes from the sources that, that you like. You will get notifications. You will get all this stuff coming in about the things that you are interested in, your interests. You'll get reminders about all the stuff going on in your world. And this nice little book that Trevin Wax wrote, Trevin Wax um, talks about these myths, and he says this. He says, as for our phones, nothing else makes us feel more in control more godlike, more knowledgeable, more connected. That's why if you take a phone away from like an 18-year-old, they go bonkers. I mean, it's not just a device. It's part of them. And this part of us tells us 
It's our story. It's all about us. Paul says, be careful that no one or nothing takes you captive. Trevin Wax continues. He says, faithful Christian living involves turning away from self and toward God, a daily exercise of remembering that we were made to know and to love God, that we were made to know and to love God and be loved by God, be known by God, and that God, not us, is at the center of all things. Our phones distract us from these central truths by telling us a different story, and their myths transform us into shells of the humans that God has called us to be. Like we, like we begin to feed on, we begin to nourish our souls, our emotions, our spirits on, did this get a bunch of likes? Did the right people retweet this? Did the right people share this? Are the right people commenting? Oh, I feel good. I got my, my bump there because I'm getting, I'm getting some good you know, buzz on this post or on what I, what I texted out there. And I think it all goes back to that old lie, that the one that tells me that I am at the center of all things, and that alluring lie pulls me out of alignment with Christ. It pulls me out of my location, my secure place in Christ. And Paul warns us, be careful. Be watchful for this. Um, watch your alignment. In our time, there is a me-centeredness like never before, and it pulls us away from Christ. And so Paul's promise, and I think it's so helpful, or what Paul, rather, uh, I'm not promising, his purpose is, I don't know if you notice as we're reading this, his purpose, he says, Here, here's my purpose. It is about others. It is getting outside of himself and it is about ministry and thinking about helping others in their relationship with Christ. Like, for example, the sign of spiritual alignment for Paul is encouragement. I mean, he wrote all these letters. Why do you think he prayed all these prayers? Because he was trying to encourage. So the way I treat others and speak to them, it should be to bring out the very best in them. He says, I want them to be encouraged. I want people to leave an interaction with me or an email with me or a text from me encouraged, okay? And I see this at Preston Crest. I, yeah, last night at the, at the Friends Speak uh, potluck dinner, encouraging stories were shared. and People were just building each other, talking about what God is doing, like Willie talked about, what God is doing at this church, it's encouraging. One of you sent me a note this week. Thank you for that. A handwritten note just talking about what God is doing in your life. You didn't have to do that. You could have said, awesome God, I love you so much. Thank you for working in my life. But you decided to encourage me by sharing that. And now I'm encouraging you by sharing that. It's pretty cool what we do. We say, and one of you, I mean, last Monday night I was at the elders meeting. One of you put this prayer request. And thank, I'm not going to tell your name, although there's nothing bad about it. In fact, it's great. You just said, you asked for the elders to pray that we would be strengthened here at Preston Crest, um, that, we would be, um, that we would encourage each other and be encouraged by others, that we would give and that we'd be open to receiving encouragement. And here's the cool thing. Anyone who's at those elders meeting knows this guy, this brother, he puts this in there every week. 
I mean, this is a church where you are thinking about encouraging others, and Paul says that's important. That's a sign of being aligned with Christ. And then he talks about endearment, all right? He talks about endearment. And this means unity. I contribute to the unity of the church by always acting in love. And that's why, you know, he says we're united in love. We, not be, we may not be united because of our personalities. We may not be united because of political affiliation. We may not be united because of our socioeconomic, whatever. We are united in love. We are united in the love of Jesus Christ. Years back, um, it's been a while now, and I, I want to say this dawned on me probably three or four years into our work in Brazil. And I was just noticing, and it's the same thing here, by the way, it's that people in small groups or in conversations, you know, they bring up what's going on with their child or with their job or with their uh, landlord situation. Or, I mean, it's the same things in, in all the different cultures around the world or with their health or whatever. And they would bring stuff up and they would usually say something like, hey, I just want you to know so you can be praying for me. And what I would say is what most of us say. We're like, okay, I'll keep you in my prayers. But somehow it dawned on me, and this has probably been 15, 18 years ago. It dawned on me, instead of saying, I'll be praying for you, when A, I may forget to pray for them, because everybody said, I decided, why don't I just be, why don't I just put my hand on their shoulder right here at church or in the lobby or in the parking lot and say, let's pray about that right now. Because then I'm bringing their need before the throne, I'm praying for them, and I'm also building them up. I'm also encouraging them in a, in a special way that happens when we pray over someone, not just for someone. So I would encourage you, man. I mean, when someone comes up to you this morning or at work or whatever and says, I got this going on, you can tell their heart is just heavy. Just say, hey, would you mind if we just pray for that right now? I think that's one of the ways that we can encourage this unity. And then Paul talks about enrichment as, as well. Um, yeah, let's go back to enrichment. I help others appreciate the spiritual standing and wealth that they have in Christ. And I love this. I love it. Paul is like, my purpose is to help people get it, to help people know how, for lack of a better way of saying it, how massive their bank account is in Christ. He's running into people acting like they're, they're poor, miserable folks or whatever. He's like, ah, I want you to understand the riches that you possess in Christ. That's a good mission. That's a good mission. Helping people see what they have in Christ. Um, so let's go on to the, the next one, enlightenment. I offer counsel, advice to others based on the big story, the gospel. Your words have power. You have influence. Uh, we have influence to different degrees with different people, but you have influence on certain people around you. And if the story really isn't about you, if the story really isn't about me, um, then I need to help my brothers and sisters in Christ make decisions based on not just their happiness... But how about the happiness of Jesus, the honor of Jesus? So the words I speak should be steering them into that location, into that identity, instead of somewhere else. 
So maybe I'm not counseling them. You know, I think a little shopping therapy would be good for you. Go ahead and buy the third Lexus, you know. They can buy it if they want, but maybe you don't need to be pushing them that way, moving them out of alignment in that way. Maybe if they're going through marital difficulties, your counsel isn't, you know, your marriage is really tough. Just dissolve that, and I'm sure God has somebody better for you out there. Maybe in Christ, if you're, if you're going to leverage that influence, what you're supposed to be doing is pulling them into His will and honoring His name with the advice that, that you give. Anyway, uh, every situation is different, right? And when we connect to each other, when we hear the stories that are going on in each of our lives, we hear what's going on, there are always different circumstances. Like, there's no cookie-cutter approach to this. But the common thing is that if I'm in Christ, my primary responsibility, or as Paul says, my mission is to help people grow in what the apostle says is the mystery of God, namely Jesus, namely Christ. So is your life in alignment with Jesus this morning? And if it's not There might be a sin issue or some struggle that you're up against in your life that just seems to be pulling you off center. Maybe something you need to confess. Maybe something you need to repent of. And we would love to pray over you about that, hear what you have to say about that, and intercede for God on your behalf to pull you back in where you are designed to live, located in Christ. Or maybe this morning it's time to cross that line of faith and declare what you have come to believe, that Jesus is Lord and Savior, and be baptized into Christ. You can do that this morning. Let's rise. Let's respond as we stand together.